Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Get Your Go podcast. Lot in store. More to catch up with the Seattle Seahawks making a signing. News on what Trevor Lawrence said. List of teams in the NBA that can make the Super Bowl next year. The different tiers going on. Some NBA recap. NHL recap as well and more contenders. My top five teams in Major League Baseball right now. In an exciting baseball matchup tonight going into this weekend. Round one of the Dodgers-Padres. That's going to be great. But let's get right into it. Starting with the Seattle Seahawks signing defensive end Alden Smith from the Dallas Cowboys. And what I think is a solid signing. Uh, He's no longer a pro bowler. He once was when he was with the 49ers years ago, uh, almost a decade now, uh, when he had double-digit sacks. A bunch of tackles for double-digit tackles for loss. He's no longer that guy because he was suspended and he wasn't even playing football uh, for the four years before this comeback. And I have to give him credit for coming back after four years. You don't know how a player is going to return from being away from a game of football for that long. But he came back last year. Looked like age has taken a toll on him and he's as he's 31 now. But other than that, I think he looked really good for not playing football for four years. Coming back with 48 tackles, uh, his highest since his Pro Bowl season. Five tackles for a loss, five sacks. And the bigger thing to me is he played all 16 games. He started all 16 games, was healthy all year long, uh, was a great addition to the Cowboys defense. Yes, that Cowboys defense was terrible. It was horrendous. They could not stop the run. To save their life, they couldn't stop a parked car. Uh, Their pass defense wasn't much better. I believe their rush defense uh, was 31st. Their pass was, you know, 24, uh, 25, somewhere around there. So the the whole aspects of their defense wasn't good. The game planning, the strategy, the coordinating, none of it. None of it on defense worked out at all last year for the Dallas Cowboys. But Alden Smith was really solid in his role. And I think he's going to expect to have that same role, maybe a little less, with the Seahawks, which I think will benefit the Seahawks. Uh, Last year, they had a lack of a pass rush. Uh, They couldn't get to the quarterback at all. Uh, Took them years to get to the quarterback. Uh, You could launch a plane on an aircraft for how long that quarterback had in the pocket last year. Uh, Seattle's... Pass rush was terrible last year. Uh, then they lost Jaron Reed this past year, but they signed Kerry Hyder, uh, who a lot of people are very high on. Signed some guys from a 49ers to boost up as well, Alden Smith. So we don't have, you know, one great defensive end, one great edge pass rusher who's a game changer, you know, like the Miles Garrett's of the world, like the Aaron Donalds of the world. But they have a bunch of really solid players. So if they can form cohesion, Come together as a group. I think the Seattle Seahawks pass rush is going to be improved from last year and can be really solid. I'm not expecting them to be great. I don't think they need to be great, but they do need to be solid. 
and contribute and help this help the pass defense out as well uh, because very secondary is going to be very young with the losses of Shaq Griffin, Quentin Dunbar, other uh, their cornerbacks are very young. You know, Trey Flowers, uh, Witherspoon from a 49ers, very young, not a lot of talent back there. Yes, you have Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs as your safeties. You've got them helping out your cornerbacks a little bit. But man-on-man coverage is going to be very tough for the Seahawks. That's something they'll have to address. But they wanted to add one more pass rusher. I think this is another signing that Russell Wilson will like. With all this, I see Russell Wilson sticking around. He'll be around, I think, this year. Uh, Definitely they kind of caved in to some of his demands. And I think they'll see how they do this year. And I think if, you know, the Seahawks go off the rails this coming year, uh, I think there's going to be major, major changes impending for the Seattle Seahawks. That's my belief. Now, what did Trevor Lawrence say? I was thinking about just paraphrasing the quote, but I thought it'd be better to just read exactly what he said about his commitment to football, uh, you know, chip on his shoulder, all that kind of things. Uh, This is what he said to Sports Illustrated. He says, It's hard to explain that because I want people to know that I'm passionate about what I do and it's really important to me, but I don't have this huge chip on my shoulder that everyone's out to get me and I'm trying to prove everybody wrong. I just don't have that. I can't manufacture that. I don't want to. There's also more in life than playing football. Now, I agree with that last part. I agree that there is more to life than playing football. Totally agree with Trevor Lawrence. There is a lot. Uh, But you saying this on the eve of the NFL draft definitely raises doubts about your commitment to football to winning football games, winning a Lombardi trophy, going to the Super Bowl. Those are the kind of questions it raises. Now, you don't have to have a huge chip on your shoulder, but it definitely helps. It helps you look at, you know, the Baker Mayfields of the world with a chip, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady, the greatest chip. And you see the talent, the greatness of those quarterbacks. Uh, And... There was reasons why they had chips. Uh, Baker Mayfield had his chip, you know, all the way back from college, uh, basically getting cut from a football team, uh, telling him, no, we're not rolling with you anymore. Tom Brady being picked number 199 of the NFL draft. Aaron Rodgers, who many thought was going to be the number one pick or top five, uh, dropped all the way down to the 20s, I believe. So it definitely helps to have a chip to prove. But Trevor Lawrence, he's never had a chip on his shoulder his entire life. At least that's what I gather. I don't know the guy, but I believe that he does not have a chip on his shoulder. Yes, he just stated that. And I think it's because he's just been the best. Everybody's just said how great he is. 
He was this super high, talented prospect coming out of high school, going into Clemson. This guy is great. He is a man. And guess what? He delivers. He wins a national championship his freshman year with Clemson, demolishing Alabama in the national title game. Perfect season. Perfect. Can't cap that any better. Next two years, you can't repeat that success. Loses in the national championship game one year, and then the semifinal year after that. Only two losses his whole college career. Three losses combined between his college career and his high school football career as well. So he's been a winner. He's been told his whole life that he's a winner. And then now entering the draft, it's he's the undisputed number one pick. We haven't seen a quarterback prospect like this in so long. He's the man. He's going to lead the Jacksonville Jaguars to the promised land one day. You pair him with a good running back in James Robinson. You have Dax Charks. Yes, you'll need another wide receiver. But if you're making moves on defense, Urban Meyer comes out of retirement because he knows you're the guy. He wants you as his guy. He's the one who you think can turn the Jaguars franchise around. And then you say, you know, I like football. You know, I'm not as passionate as others about it. Uh, That definitely raises some red flags. Uh, you have so many players. I you could n- name a long list of players. Um, one that always comes to my mind is Tom Brady, the hardest working players. Russell Wilson as well. The ones that are, you know, they're right when practice opens, training camp, they're in film studying from five o'clock. You're playing it because football is a lifestyle. Uh, your diet, your training, uh, film studying, practicing. Uh, you know, growing as a player in the role that you're in. So it's a lifestyle. It's a commitment. And for Trevor Lawrence to say this, you know, it does put in doubts how long he plans on playing this game, how committed he is to the success, if he can walk away. Uh, and it even doesn't have to be due to injuries. We know Andrew Luck retired early uh, due to health injuries, but if Trevor Lawrence isn't feeling it one day, you don't know. He could just all of a sudden stop. So when you have other picks, you know, Zach Wilson could be it too. Justin Fields uh, is looking like he could drop to 10. Uh, you might have Mac Jones in there as well, Trey Lance. Uh, you're, those guys are going to be the ones with the chip. You know, but it's, you know, you're in a pool of players, similar talent and all that, uh, you know, could go... Number one, you know, they fall. Those are players that have a chip on their shoulders, play with a chip. Uh, I think it's better to play with a chip. I think it's better to have passion out there on the football field to get fired up. And that's one thing, you know, you didn't see from Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. You know, you saw him make great reads, uh, great throws uh, with his arm, uh, great plays running the football as well, super talented, but you didn't see him get pumped up, fired up like you see, you know, with shots of Aaron Rodgers, of Peyton Manning, of Drew Brees, of Tom Brady, of Russell Wilson. You don't see him get that fired up 
at least I don't see that from him as does his competitors. So that's probably the only worrisome thing. Uh, you know, you had this undisputed number one round draft pick. He says something like this, and it definitely throws up red flags. It's scary for the Jacksonville Jaguars organization. Now, moving on to my list of teams for the upcoming football season. This list will probably change after the draft. Uh, this will evolve. But right now, this is a fresh freshman list of my tier of teams in the NFL. And these are five tiers. Tier 1 being the highest. Tier 5 being the lowest. Tier 1 is Super Bowl contenders. Tier 2 is playoff bound. Tier 3 is Dark Horses. Tier 4 is Missing Pieces. Tier 5 is Better Luck Next Season. So I'll start at number 5 work my way up. So who are my teams in Tier number 5? Better Luck Next Season, which is not even this coming season. It's more like Better Luck in 2022. These are the teams that have no shot no matter what happens in the draft, no matter what falls their way. These four teams have no shot of playoffs or glory or anything. Team number one is the Detroit Lions. Why? Well, uh, freshly minted quarterback Jared Goff coming in. Purge of wide receivers. Inexperienced offensive line. uh, Terrible defense. Uh, Yes, all those things. Better luck in 2022. No chance. Number Another one on that list is the Houston Texans. Allegations surrounding Deshaun Watson. Quarterback availability. No running game. Weak offensive line. Not a lot of receivers as well. Terrible defense. J.J. Watt's gone. Uh, so many things wrong that no draft is going to help this team. Better luck in 2022. Another team, the New York Jets. Yes, they have a number two pick. Yes, you're banking on a franchise quarterback. And they could definitely get that guy. They could hit a home run in this draft. But that's not going to change anything because he also has no help running the football. Uh, He has one good offensive lineman, four other terrible ones. Uh, Terrible defense. Salah has to rebuild this defense, which I think he can do. But better luck in 2022 to the New York Jets. And my last team in this Tier 5 is the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, another team that has no chance. An aging quarterback in Matt Ryan who has been decreasing. Uh, If you want to talk about quarterbacks falling off a cliff, Matt Ryan would have been one after that Super Bowl epic collapse. Uh, He's there. Uh, No running game as well. Yes, he signed Mike Davis, but, uh, but he's not a viable Great running back. Uh, Offensive lineman needs major rehaul. Uh, A lot of missing defensive pieces, especially in the secondary. Need a lot of help. All that can't fix you in the draft. Uh, Also an aging Julio Jones. So better luck in 2022. Now my next tier is tier number four, which is missing pieces. Which means they're just maybe one, two, three, you know, couple pieces away from making a playoffs, but they just can't do it, and I don't think can do it in a draft as well. One of those teams is the Carolina Panthers. 
Yes, they have a great quarter or a great running back in Christian McCaffrey. They have good wide receivers in DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. They got a young defense, new coach Matt Rule, who looked decent last year. But guess what? They need a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is not the answer. Uh, and Sam Darnold isn't either. So they're missing a few pieces. They can hit some home runs in the draft, but that probably won't be enough. The Philadelphia Eagles is another one. Missing pieces. They're missing wide receivers. Uh, you They still have to decide if Jalen Hurts is the guy. Uh, this defense as well. So they are missing pieces. They have, you know, good rotational pieces, decent depth, but they need to add stars to that team. New York Giants. They think they have a guy in Daniel Jones. I think this will be a good year to evaluate him. You got Kenny Galladay, who you think will be your number one wide receiver. You have Evan Ingram. Saquon Barkley's coming back. Uh, an ascending offensive line. It's really going to be this defense. Can this defense make plays? They need help on the line and linebackers as well. The Denver Broncos, to me, they're a quarterback away. Uh, they have a good running back tandem, just good, solid, and Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. Uh, Jerry Judy is a wide receiver, to me, is really talented. Uh, Von Miller's coming back. Bradley Chubb is good on defense as well. Uh, Stewart, I, my bad. Uh, their safeties or cornerbacks are all solid uh, players who can win. So I think a quarterback is the main missing link there. Jacksonville Jaguars are another one. They're expecting Trevor Lawrence. They have a good running back in uh, James Robinson. They do need some wide receivers to add depth beyond the Dax charts of the world. Some offensive linemen as well. They made a lot of moves in free agency to help his defense. They spent a lot of money. Uh, we'll see if it pays off, but I still think there are a couple pieces away, even if they get Trevor Lawrence, and even if he proves to be the guy. Uh, you're not 1-15 just because of your quarterback. Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow will be coming back from an ACL injury. It's going to be good to evaluate him. Uh, you got T. Higgins, who's a good wide receiver. Uh, you need more help. Uh, they'll probably draft a Kyle Pitts or a Jamar Chase uh, to help him. Joe Mixon is a good running back, but they also need help on that defense top to bottom as well. And then the New England Patriots, again, missing a quarterback and really offensive weapons. To me, they had a lot of people missing because of COVID last year. Uh, their defense, I think, will be returning. It'll be much better this year. They spent a ton of money in free agency upgrading some of their defense, spend it tight end. Uh, to me, they need a quarterback. They need a running back. They need a wide receiver. That's a tall order. So, yes, there are missing pieces, but they're just a few pieces away from returning to Patriot glory. Moving on up to tier number three. These are my dark horses. These are my teams with maybe just a little bit of luck, maybe a right hit on the draft. Maybe if things just go according to plan for them, you know, they could make a solid run in their respective division and conference. The Miami Dolphins missed out on the playoffs by one game last year. 
returning everybody another year of progression for Tua Tagovailoa. Few first round draft picks, a lot of picks again this year. They can definitely get wide receiver, hit home run, get a running back, upgrade defense as well. They are just so close. That's why they're a dark horse contender. Another one, the Indianapolis Colts, already one of the best defenses in football. Uh, good wide receiver group, good running back group as well. Really solid. One of the best offensive lines is just Carson Wentz. He's actually their dark horse. Is he going to be the MVP Carson Wentz when he was with Frank Wright in Philadelphia? Or is this a continuing regression down the cliff fall slide of Carson Wentz? The Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, they were so close. They played so well. They beat the Chiefs once. Played them tough another time. Anytime you beat the Chiefs, to me, uh, that's eye-catching. Derek Carr played solid. At times, Darren Waller is a star. Henry Ruggs is electric. It's just, can this defense make stops? Can John Gruden get this team to where they need to be? The Washington football team, again, one of the best defenses in the league. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Iodonis at front four is nasty. Gets after the quarterback. Uh, offensive line needs help. Uh, they have Terry McLaurin, who's a superstar. It's just they need a quarterback. If they get a quarterback with this good defense, they made a run. Can they make a run? We saw Taylor Heineke against the Bucks play really, really solid. We saw this Bucks team or this football team play really solid in a wild card game against the Bucks. So if they get a quarterback, I think they could be a dark horse. The Chicago Bears is another one. I don't think they'll land a Russell Wilson. That would definitely push in the playoff bound. But we saw them last year just make the playoffs and get beat handily. Again, I think they're missing quarterback. Don't think Nick Foles is a guy. Uh, no longer have Mitch Trubisky. You have David Montgomery at running back, who's a star. Then you have Allen Robinson as well, who's a star. Defensive pieces, Khalil Mack. You have players on the defensive end who can make plays. Uh, again, quarterback, dark horse away. Minnesota Vikings. To me, they have the offensive weapons and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Dalvin Cook, who's a superstar. It's just, can Kirk Cousins take them over the hump? Can their defense be well enough approved? If they can, definitely a dark horse. And then finally, the last dark horse is the New Orleans Saints. They lost Drew Brees, lost Quan Alexander, lost some defensive depth pieces such as Alex Anzalone. Uh... It's going to be to them, is Jameis Winston going to step up? Is Taysom Hill going to step up? Are we going to make plays to, you know, they won't be Drew Brees, but they can they be competent quarterbacks out there not turning over the football? That's going to be what the Saints need. You know, if that falls into place, dark horse to watch out for. Now, tier number two is playoff bound. Playoff teams, they're going to the playoffs, I think, regardless of what happens. Buffalo Bills, we saw them last year, AFC Championship game. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, enough said. Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, league MVP from a couple years ago is what he was. Uh, added some receiver help as well, the addition of Sammy Watkins uh, to help him out. I think it'll help him out minimally, but still, can you contain him? 
for a full 17-game season now. Cleveland Browns, they were playoffs last year, just missed out on beating the Chiefs. They returned most of their whole team, and they've added pieces to make them win the division. And Jadavion Clowney, John Johnson, Troy Hill, really solid. Tennessee Titans, this was a tough one for me. Are we playoff bound? Are we a dark horse? Uh, because it all relies on Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry is going, uh, this team is playoff bound. If he gets injured for any reason, which I hope he doesn't, uh, this team is like better luck next year type vibes got going on. Then the Dallas Cowboys, I believe, are playoff bound as well. Uh, Dak Prescott has his contract. A weak NFC East team. I think he can capitalize if his team is healthy. Green Bay Packers, another one that's annually, annually going to the playoffs, NFC Championship games, just missing out. Enough said with that Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams group. Then the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, always making plays, emergence of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Uh, They can make plays on offense, it's just their defense holding them back from Super Bowl contending. Arizona Cardinals, again, I think will be playoff bounds after the strides they took last year with Kyler Murray and D-Hop, adding more to that group, solid signing in A.J. Green, defensive signing in J.J. Watt, James Conner. We're definitely getting pieces to go make the playoffs. And finally, in this tier, is the Pittsburgh Steelers, until Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger just don't make the playoffs uh, together, uh year after year then you know then we can talk but that's what Mike Tomlin does that's what Ben Roethlisberger does young core around him and Chase Claypool uh Juju Smith-Schuster great defense TJ Watt and them boys they can get it done that's tier two now tier number one is Super Bowl contenders only two teams I believe only two teams that can make it one representing the AFC, which is the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, MVP, playoff MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, Eric Bieniemy. This crew is talented. This team is tough to beat. They are young. They play with swag. They're the Kansas City Chiefs. They're one of the Super Bowl contenders. The other one, defending Super Bowl champions out of the NFC, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the GOAT, GOAT Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Shaq Barrett, JPP, the Grave Diggers back there out of the secondary, Bruce Arians, the Great Motivator, Byron Leftwich, this whole team, this crew is really well. They come together as a group, and I forgot Devin White, Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator, Levante David. This group is special. They return everybody. They return all playoff starters. Just no word on Antonio Brown yet, but he wasn't a starter. But he's a depth piece. To me, that's a team that matches up best with the Chiefs. I see another rematch. That's why they're only the two Super Bowl contenders, you know, people could argue Bills in there, Packers in there, Browns in there. But to me, right now, you only have the Chiefs 
and the Bucks in what I expect to be a round two heavyweight fight next February. Now moving on to the NBA. And I was right on both my Wednesday picks. I was right on the 76ers beating the Nets. Kyrie played. KD's the one who didn't show up. Kyrie played up or showed up and played really, really well. 37 points. He was amazing. But what topped his performance was the performance of Joel Embiid for the Sixers. He put on a show, 39 points, double-double, I believe 13 rebounds. Ben Simmons played well. Tobias Harris, uh, this team played really good. I was surprised that it was you know, this close. It was only a six-point game you know, with no KD, with no James Harden. But with Kyrie playing so well, that's what made it close. But in the end, the 76ers team, it was too much for the Nets. Then I was right on the Mavericks beating the Grizzlies. Which to me, they only won because of their lucky shot by star Luka Doncic. Uh, to me, you don't get any luckier than that. Luka doesn't practice one-handed, leaning shots, weird type things. Maybe he shoots you know, one of those a day, a week, or something like that. But he's not out there shooting that shot 500 times trying to perfect that. He got lucky, it, you know. It was this high arching rainbow and he was basically underneath the net when the shot actually went through the basket. You can't get any more lucky than that. It was great defense by the Grizzlies not fouling. Uh, you just sometimes get beat by pure luck. That's what that was. That was on a fishing line type shot. Uh, I don't really like that. But sometimes that's how you get beat and I get right still. I was two for two. Another eye-catching thing I thought it was nice was the Lakers last night. Their resiliency against the Celtics. They were down by, you know, 27 points at one point. They were down by so much of the first quarter, then they got down again. Uh, they were down, and they came back. They were resilient, only losing by, I believe, like seven or eight points. You know, which shows a lot outscored them in the second half. Even though Jalen Brown cruised to 40 points. Uh, close to a double-double. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker for Los Angeles played really well. Montrose Harold and a shooter. They're playing as a cohesive group. Uh, they just couldn't stop Jalen Brown uh, to save their lives. And that was the only thing. But it was great for the Lakers. But also, it was very telling, very concerning uh, for the Celtics blowing such a lead against the heated rival uh, in a game where they don't have AD. Or LeBron James, you know, they're just laughing at you up and down the court, uh, blowing this lead. Uh, when you're facing teams like, you know, you'll be facing the, not the Lakers, but teams like the Lakers, and the playoffs of Bucks, the Nets, the 76ers, and such. And guess what? They'll most likely have their star players. Uh, if you're playing like this against teams with no star players, that's telling. That says a lot that you really can't compete. The fact that you can't keep a lead like that. The uh, fact that you can't come back uh, to save your lives as well. Uh, I don't think the Celtics have a shot at all representing the East. But they proved doubters wrong before. But this year, I think this is the time the doubters show up and are right on the Celtics. Now I'm going to pick two more games for tonight. One, 
is the Clippers and the 76ers. And I thought this was going to be a great game. You know, you have the Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi, going against Philadelphia, the best team in the East. Uh, ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. You're like, this is going to be exciting, primetime matchup. Can't wait to watch. And then you get the news that Kawhi Leonard's out because his foot hurts. Paul George is out because he's tired and he needs some rest. Patrick Beverly has a legitimate reason for being out because he broke his hand. Same with Serge Ibaka and his back spasms. Marcus Morris is tired, though. He needs his rest. Wow. A lot of players out. Again, primetime matchup. Televised game on TV, ESPN, Sixers and Clippers, teams you want to see, stars you want to see, and you get no-shows. I would like to take as many rest days and have personal days as these NBA stars do. I really would. I'd feel so much rejuvenated, so much better about myself if I had the kind of personal time away that these NBA players would. I definitely think a lot of companies should be looking into that, uh, giving their players the NBA benefit package where you can take whatever days you want off just because you want rest. That'd be something else. Uh, I'm going to get that started. Let, let, let me get on that. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's not how the world works. Uh, they get special treatment because they're tired. Uh, and that's why the 76ers are going to win this game. And even though the Nets game was close, the 76ers will make sure that this game is not going to be close. 76ers, one of the best teams at home, are playing at home. Ben Simmons leading the way. Joel Embiid leading the way. Tobias Harris adding in as well, shooting 50% over the last 10 games. Uh, 76ers playing really well on offense, holding their defense as well. So yeah, that's right. 76ers will cruise to a win tonight. Then after that, you have the New York Knicks and the Dallas Mavericks in a primetime game. Guess what? The Stars will be showing up for that game. You'll see Luka Doncic. You'll see Julius Randle. Julius Randle averaging a double-double this year. Luka Doncic leading his team in everything. But I think after that lucky shot for the Mavericks, fate catches up to them today. And I have the Knicks and an upset game. Now, this easily could be Dallas blowing them out. You could, I could be like, Josh, you know, what kind of pick was that? But you need one of these every now and then, and I've got the Knicks tonight winning this game. Uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, you have Kristaps Porzingis play against his former team in the Knicks. But, you know, the Knicks you know, are playing well, even if their record doesn't reflect that, at least offensively. To me, they're playing decent. Their defense is good uh, on par with the Mavericks, who you know are just good defensively. But I think Julius Randle can will him and his team to a win today. That's it on the NBA front. Now, shifting to the NHL, where I was wrong about one pick that night. I was wrong on the Canadians beating the Flames. That didn't happen. Uh, Canadians decided to lay an egg and Mark Giordano, uh, their 38-year-old captain looking like a 28-year-old again against them, uh, was sad to see. 
so I was wrong about that. But I was right for the game after that, which was the Vegas Golden Knights beating the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, Alex Tuck with a nasty goal, and Max Pacioretty with one of the softest goals I've ever seen, where he kind of backhanded it from the blue line, was just planning on dumping it in, and he scored on Jonathan Quick. Took a weird little bounce. Jonathan Quick out of position. Couldn't track the puck down or save it. And it goes in. And that was it for Jonathan Quick. Not a good night for him. But a good night for the Knights. As they had six different goal scorers in this game. And they won 6-2. to two. So that definitely helps out the Knights a lot. And then in other news. You had the Rangers shutting out the Devils. Last night. Artemi Panarin, to me, star of the night all around. He played really good. Uh, Shesterkin with another shutout. He played really well. Miss Rangers is dominating this Devils team. Taylor Hall got his first goal with the Bruins. Uh, the Red Wings upset the Blackhawks. After the Red Wings made a major move, Blackhawks made moves as well. And then the Flyers... Beat my Pittsburgh Penguins in a shootout. And to me, which was a you know a good game. Sidney Crosby with a magnificent goal. Giving his stick to Brian Dumoulin, who broke his. Then they pass it up to Gensel, who goes up uh, the ice. Crosby without a stick. Gets one from the equipment manager. Shot goes on net. Crosby's right there to knock it in. What a goal. By Sidney Crosby, assist from the equipment manager. That was just highlight reel worthy. That was insane. But what topped that was the Flyers' shootout goals. Uh, Jake Gensel opened it up with a nasty uh, five-hole goal. And then after that, uh, you know, Flyers pull out all the stuff. Sean Couturier had some, thought he was cool with this crazy backhand spinorama type move. Claude Giroux deacon my goalie out, making him fall straight on his butt. That wasn't nice. That wasn't fun to watch, uh, unless you're a Flyers fan. But that was, you know, nice to see shootout moves like those. So I'll give Philadelphia Flyers proper that. I don't like it because I hate the Flyers. I'm a Penguins fan. Uh, so they can have this win. But other than that, they won't be making much news anymore because I'm about to give you my contender tiers in the NHL. Just like I did with the NBA or with the NFL. I'm going to give you my top tiers, five tiers for teams that are contending for a Stanley Cup this year. Uh, teams that are playoff bound, dark horses teams, you know, that might be in the fourth, this sixth spot, ready to make moves. A tier that things just need to go exactly right for them to make the playoffs. And then tier 5 is better luck next year. 20. uh, Just this next season actually. Which will be. Starts in September or August. Or September October I believe. So tier 5. Better luck this upcoming season. uh, Is. Number 1 on the list. Is the Detroit Red Wings. You know, they've made great moves, great additions, getting Jacob Verana, uh, Steve Eiserman, great general manager. He's making moves, but to me, they're out of the playoffs. Uh, they can make moves in free agency in the draft and definitely 
be much more relevant this upcoming hockey season. Then the Columbus Blue Jackets, a team that uh, had high aspirations this season and the wheels fell off the bus, bus fell into the river, and not even Superman can save this bus where there was a breakdown between John Tortorella and Pierre Lacdubois, then Line A coming in who they thought, wow, this is a good haul. Uh, this Line A thing is no longer working out uh, with John Tortorella. I don't believe John Tortorella should coach the Blue Jackets anymore. Doesn't get along with star players. Uh, I don't think this team any, no longer believes in John Tortorella. Uh, so this team needs more luck coming up to the next season. And the worst team in the NHL, Buffalo Sabres, where everything went wrong for him this year with Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel being injured, uh, Jordan Stahl getting ousted uh, on an 18-game losing streak. This team needs to set a lot of things straight. So we'll check up on you next year. New Jersey Devils as well. Another young team uh, as well with Hughes and Nico Hushier. Uh But they're just too young, uh, too inexperienced uh, to really do anything. They definitely need more veteran pieces around to help. And that's why we'll see check up on them next year as well. The idea with Senators, you know, only a few years removed away from the Eastern Conference Finals, where they lost in a crazy double overtime to the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, have not been able to refine their stride since then. Brady Kachuk is a star, but other than that, they do need a lot of help. Matt Murray, one of the worst goaltenders in the league, which is sad since he was one of the anchors for the Pittsburgh Penguins back-to-back Stanley Cup champions runs. Vancouver Canucks, they thought, you know, they were ascending after last year. Demko signing Braden Holpe, Elias Pedersen making a step Quinn Hughes, but this team didn't. Bye-bye, Vancouver. Los Angeles Kings is another one. They're aging. They shipped away Jeff Carter. They just need to ship away four more players, which are Jonathan Quick, Dustin Brown, Andre Kopitar, and Drew Doughty. And then Anaheim Ducks, another one that's tied to the old area. Say bye to Ryan Getzlav. Cut everything. Um, we'll see you next year. The next year is teams that need absolutely everything to go right to make the playoffs. You know, they are less than a dark horse and just hanging on life support at this moment. One team is the Dallas Stars. Got the news that Alexander Radulov done for the season. Ben Bishop done as well. Uh, to me, the three playoff spots are solidified ahead of them. They need to catch up to the Predators and the Blackhawks, which doesn't seem likely. But they're still in contention if things go right. That other team is the Philadelphia Flyers with, you know, three teams kind of locked in there. They're vying for the fourth spot, but they have two solid teams, the Bruins and the Rangers, ahead of them. They need things to go perfect. They need Bruins to lose games, Rangers to lose games, Philadelphia to win game in that tough division. Another one is the Flames. To me, it looked like the four spots already taken. There is no race, but after the Flames beat the Canadians, they gained a game. They gained a game on them. But they still need things to go right. Another one is the Arizona Coyotes. A week ago, they were five points ahead of the Blues, solidified up a four spot. 
Now they're one point behind the Blues in the fifth spot. So they need things to go right. They're on a midst of a five-game losing streak. Uh, they need things to go absolutely right to pass the Blues. They play the Blues on Saturday. They're last game against them tomorrow. That's a huge game. They need to win that game, but they also need to win after that, or we'll see them next year. Then the last team in this tier is the San Jose Sharks. Uh, another team with talent, Tomas Hurdle, Logan Kachori, Vander Kane. They should ship their goaltender, Devin Dubnik, out. Uh, I don't think that helps, uh, but still they're right behind the Coyotes on the sixth spot. Can they make moves? They have a tough schedule as well, along with the Coyotes and Blues. Can they make it to the playoffs? I think not, but if things go right, they can. Now, tier number three, which is my dark horses, teams that are on the brink, maybe at the fourth or fifth spot right now. Can they make a solid run, get in, and do some damage? Those teams are the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't think you can count Patrick Kane out this year. He wants to will them to the playoffs. But they're a couple games behind the Predators. That loss to the Red Wings doesn't hurt. But they have three games against the Predators, one game in hand. That's going to come down to the wire, I believe. But if they get in, can they make noise like they did last year? Then just ahead of them is a dark horse, the National Predators. Another one sitting right there at the four spot. In the midst of a very tough central division, their team, I believe, could make a run, too, with their offensive firepower. Another one, the Montreal Canadiens. They're sitting right there up a four spot with the Flames creeping in. We saw the Montreal Canadiens last year beat the Pittsburgh Penguins and the play-in. If Canadiens can get hot, I think they're a dark horse to do some damage in the playoffs as well. The Calgary Flames. Right behind them as well. Actually, no, I already mentioned them. They need things to go right. Uh, St. Louis Blues are another one that's a dark horse. Why? Well, they're a couple years removed from winning a Stanley Cup, winning it all. Vladimir Tarasenko looks like he's healthy. He's back. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly playing really solid. Braden Shin. To me, it's going to be, can Jordan Bennington not recapture the whole magic he had for that Stanley Cup run uh, when his goaltending was just... On fire to meet Consmith winner worthy, but can he just regain you know seventy percent of that magic to believe him to a dark horse with their talent defense? Yes, the loss of Pietrangelo is huge, but they've been decent. Can they do it? And then the final dark horse, which is the biggest one, uh, which can make so much damage, is the New York Rangers sitting right now at the fifth spot. Uh, Bruins have a couple games in hand and ahead of them. But the New York Rangers are so dangerous, so streaky, with offensive juggernaut of Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, uh, Blackwell, uh, Lafreniere, who hasn't really showed up, the goaltending of Shesterkin and Gorgiev. It's can this defense uh, help their goaltender out? Can they contribute on offense? To me, if they get in, I think they can make a lot of noise in the playoffs. Then, tier number two is playoff bound. Florida Panthers, to me, are locked in as playoffs. They'll be doing well. Carolina Hurricanes, another team that's really solid, but I don't think can get to the Stanley Cup. Uh, They just face too many hurdles and are in a tough division. Same with the Boston Bruins. I think that trade for Taylor Hall was all right. 
Uh, again, tough division. Winnipeg Jets closing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, but they haven't been able to do it before I get to that kind of point of a Stanley Cup. So how can they do it now? Edmonton Oilers, another young team, a lot of firepower. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, they're making it to the playoffs. It's just what can they do once they get there after a few disappointing exits in the past couple of years. Toronto Maple Leafs, another team, leadership, young players, a perfect mix. Everything you want in the team is a Toronto Maple Leafs, but time and time again, disappointing playoffs exits, mostly to the Bruins, to the Blue Jackets. You don't have to face any of those teams this year. Can you make it men's? Minnesota Wild playing really solid. They're playoff bound. Colorado Avalanche, best team in the league. Why aren't they a Stanley Cup contender? Well, they haven't done it before as well. More disappointing playoff exits as can these guys that show up, this team everybody talks about with all this depth, this greatness, this talent, can they do it in a division with the Vegas Golden Knights? Even three teams I had a hard time putting playoff down, contenders. Uh, Islanders had an easier time because they haven't done it before, but have got close. Pittsburgh Penguins making moves uh, with making it fully healthy. Can they actually be contending? Washington Capitals is another one. And then you have my final Tier 1 Stanley Cup contenders. Number 1 for the one side. The Central representing the East would be the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Why? Well, they won the playoffs last year. I mean, they won the Stanley Cup, won it all. Uh, You could put an asterisk or whatever you want because of the pandemic and the bubble like atmosphere, but guess what? They've won it, so they have actually some experience of doing it. And then my other team, who I think will come out of the West side, is the Vegas Golden Knights. They made it to the Stanley Cup before. A lot of this team did with William Carlson, Marc-Andre Fleury. This goaltending tandem was really well. If they don't get in the way of anything, that's who I have. Tampa Bay Lightning, Vegas Golden Knights. Now, I will get into my top five. MLB teams. And it's really hard to justify top five baseball teams when there's 160 games. You're only 10 or so games in. Uh, there's still 150, 145 games to play. So this is definitely a rough list that'll change over the course of the season. But number five, I have the New York Yankees. Why? Garrett Cole is playing amazing to me. He's looking like the best pitcher, but they've been inconsistent behind him uh, in terms of run scoring and pitching as well. Number four, the Boston Red Sox, surprisingly the best team in the AL. J.D. Martinez with a hot streak. Don't sleep on J.D. Number three, the New York Mets, after their delay with uh, delayed series and their opening stretch. They've come back strong. Uh, their starting pitching has been phenomenal. Uh, they've been able to manufacture runs now as well, which was plaguing them their first few games, but are definitely on a winning streak, playing really solid. Number two, the San Diego Padres are hanging in there just a few games back of the Dodgers. They're winning despite injuries to their starting pitching. Their star player, Tatis, out as well. Uh that's the sign of a good team is when you can overcome those challenges. That's what makes San Diego Padres a good team. Then number one, 
the Los Angeles Dodgers. Why? Well, they have an 11-2 best record in the MLB. Trevor Bauer has been the man so far, rivaling Garrett Cole's greatness with the Yankees. The depth of this team, even with Mookie Betts out, Cody Bellinger out, still winning baseball games. Uh, They're showing why their win last year and their bubble atmosphere as well was no fluke. But you have one exciting marquee matchup for baseball tonight, tomorrow night, and Sunday night. That is, to me, the best rivalry in baseball right now. The Los Angeles Dodgers, the best team in the league, versus the San Diego Padres, the second best team in the league. Forget Yankees, Red Sox, Yankees, Rays, Cubs, Brewers, whatever you want to say, Astros, Yankees, Astros, anyone, Astros, Tigers, Astros, Indy, Astros, whatever, Astro, Dodger. It's Dodgers versus Padres. Young team, young team, division rivals, up and at it. Tatis is back for this series. Trent Grisham with the home run against Clayton Kershaw last year. There's going to be some jawing. The Machado versus Betts. Machado when he was with the Baltimore Orioles. And Betts when he was with the Boston Red Sox. Squaring off in the same division. They're going back at it tonight. And then you have great pitching matchups. You've got you Darvish versus Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Bauer versus Blake Snell. Oh, this is too good. This is baseball at its best. This is how you bring baseball back, back to the audience with the advertisement, with the marketing of a game like this, a series like this, round one of many, and not just many this year, but years to come with the young talent on both these teams, with the greatness on both these teams. I'm looking forward to the Dodgers-Padres series. Tonight, I'm rolling with the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers will definitely win. Tatis will be back, but he won't be fully healthy. Uh, Travel from the East Coast. Uh, I think the Dodgers will win this game. I think Walker Bueller's pitching tonight. He'll definitely win it. But come tomorrow night, come Sunday night, I'm definitely rolling with the Padres. I got Padres winning two out of three in what I think will be a fantastic matchup, not just for baseball fans uh, or Padre Dodgers fans, but for sports fans in general, seeing a rivalry like this unfold before our very eyes. That's what I'm most excited for. This is a marquee matchup. Dodgers-Padres. That's it, folks. That's it for Josh's podcast today. Get your goat. As you can tell, I'm excited for this matchup. I'm excited for a lot of things coming up. NFL draft coming up. NBA games tonight. A lot of things to watch. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. Talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.